I'm literally on a mission, Stephanie, to use every bad thing that happened in my life to turn it for good. Hey everybody, welcome back to Tales from the Journey. I'm Stephanie Zamora and today I am so excited because we have Tanisha Bestseller Johnson here and she is an incredible soul who is also doing work to help people transform their pain into purpose and she has a huge massive body of work, author of 18 books, seven of which have been Amazon bestsellers. And she is living proof that sharing your story leads to your destiny. And she has an incredible journey that I'm really excited to dig into because she has been through so much in her life and she has really allowed it to shape her into the person that she is now and the work that she's doing. So Tanisha, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. I'm so excited about this conversation. Oh my God. (laughs) Me too. I would love to start with you sharing just a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do. Yeah. So today I am a 20 time published author, actually. Uh, It's been updated since I sent that to you, Stephanie. Um, I am a publisher as well for other people. And I also offer ghostwriting services. But I am a little black brown girl from the west side of Chicago, grew up on the west side of Chicago before I moved to the west side of Detroit, born to a single mother, never met my father. That is a whole story in itself. We will be here for hours. So, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am really excited to dive in. And I know we were talking before we hit record about where to really start this conversation, because there's so much that's happened in your life. And part of this convert, part of this podcast is really about the hero's journey and following the journey mapping process that I've developed. And so one of the things that we do is focus on who we were before. And so I would love if you could share, again, I know that there's so much that's happened in your life, like just so much that you've walked through. But if you could go back and kind of paint us a picture of who was Tanisha before life really started getting chaotic and what did life look like? Wow. Well, for me, I feel like life has been chaotic since birth. Um, It is rumored that I was supposed to be aborted, Stephanie. So knowing just that alone is like a huge feat. Um, Of course, born to a 13, 14 year old mother, I can't say if I wasn't 13 or 14, I wouldn't have considered abortion as well. But again, never knew my father. There are so many different rumors about who he is, where he is. I've never met him. There's never been a phone conversation. Um, And because of that, I kind of came into the world with the root of rejection. So feeling unwanted, feeling like I wasn't good enough, feeling depressed, feeling like I didn't matter feeling like I didn't have a purpose. I literally had family members who would tell me, you know, you're not supposed to be here. You were a mistake or you were an oops, you know? And so when people tell you she was 14, she couldn't have possibly like planned you. So clearly, you know, you were a mistake. And for years, I kind of wore that as like a badge of honor and a badge of shame. Kind of like, yeah, I wasn't supposed to be here laugh out loud, but here I am, you know, and it's like, I know now on the other side of that, that I do have great purpose. Um, But it took me years, probably 25 years before I even started to tap into just a tiny bit of my purpose and what I'm really here in the earth to do. And so now a lot of my work is centered around taking that pain that I experienced in childhood, even into adulthood, and how can I transform it for other people? So... And it's such important work. And I I can't imagine 
growing up in an environment where that's constantly being said to you that you're not supposed to be here. Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine how would you share a little bit about how that affected you and how that kind of started showing up externally? Like, did oh, yeah. it influence your behavior and relationships? Oh, for sure. So I am, my husband says, you have to be the highlight of attention all the time. I mean, I have red hair. I'm rocking a red jacket. I got red glasses. <laughs> People see, like, you will notice me. Because when I was so little, I felt like, Stephanie, does anybody see me? Like, does anybody really see me? Like, not the outside me, but do you see my heart? Do you see who I really am? Can you see that I'm broken? Can you see that I'm not cared for in the way that I feel like I need to be cared for? Can you see that I'm not getting what I need? And I don't feel like a lot of people really saw me. It was like, oh, she's the smart girl. I was never the cute girl, Stephanie. I was the smart girl. <laughs> so I got A's and B's. I was on the honor roll, all of those good things. Um, but I wasn't even rewarded for my good behavior. I wasn't rewarded for good grades. So today, my kids, they get like $100 for an A. Um, we didn't get anything, you know? So it was like, this is what you're supposed to do. So I spent a lot of time spinning my wheels in the mud, if you will, Stephanie, trying to figure out why am I here? So I experienced suicidal thoughts because... For so long, people had planted the seed of, you're not even supposed to be here. So you can't possibly have purpose because nobody really planned for you to be here. You were kind of like a oops. Yeah. So even wearing that badge is like, okay, well, if I was a mistake, then let me just go away. If I was a burden to this then 14-year-old mother, she was still a child. I'm sure she had many fears. I'm sure there was many things going through her head of, can I raise a child at 14? Now, granted, my grandmother helped her until I was 10. But still, if she didn't have the grandmother and the father walked away because he wasn't present, let's hypothetically say she was left to raise me on her own. I think my story would have turned out a lot differently, probably for the worse. But because I had a grandmother who was willing to step in and help and love her through it and make sure she graduated high school, make sure that she did get some college courses in, even though she had a baby. So it's almost like I became my grandmother's like 11th baby because she had 10. So wow. it was it was like I'm just the 11th child, you know. But yeah, when somebody's been telling you all of your life, you're not even supposed to be here. You're an oops. I spent a lot of time trying to define who I was by the people I surrounded myself with, trying to define myself by, you know, sex with boys very early, 13, 14, trying drugs, trying to define myself by that, trying to buy the latest clothes, buy the latest shoes, hang out with the cool kids who were clearly doing the wrong stuff, but they were the cool kids, you know, so just really didn't know who I was. And I wasn't strong enough to stand on my own two feet. And I can only, again, imagine, and, and I have stuff around not feeling seen too. I think when I think about like core wounds that we all share, yeah. that's one of the big ones for people. And so that on top of this constant message that you're not supposed to be here and you're an oops and a mistake and that feeling of rejection, yeah, it's no wonder that you had no sense of self. You know, yeah. it doesn't sound like there was any space for you to get to know yourself for who you are just by existing. And yeah. 
Yeah. And so, Stephanie, today I do an event called Turquoise and Tierras. It's really centered around recrowning God's daughters who don't feel that they're worthy of even wearing a crown or a tiara. We literally give each woman a tiara at the end of the event. We pray over them. We speak well over them. But again, even in that event, it's one of those things where it's like, do you really know who you are? Do you really know your identity. And let me help you if you don't know your identity. Let me restore you back to your original, God's original intent when he created you, before you were created in the earth, when you were still in your mother's womb, there was purpose for you. And so empowering those women to let them know there is purpose for you. And it's called turquoise and tiaras because number one, I'm a victim of, I'm a survivor, Not let me not say victim, but I'm a survivor of sexual abuse, childhood sexual abuse. Um, There was both a female cousin as well as a male hairdresser who sexually abused me. And turquoise is the color of sexual abuse. So we use the color turquoise to empower women. And then the tiaras, of course, we recrown them at the event. But I'm literally on a mission, Stephanie, to use every bad thing that happened in my life to turn it for good. That's such a beautiful... I love the turquoise and tiaras and such a beautiful mission and a very important one. Yeah. And it's really, like, there are a lot of people doing good work in the world and I don't want to like discount that. There's something though about people who have been exactly where you are, yeah. like that helps that process along because you've been there. You've had the suicidal thoughts, you've yeah. had trauma and abuse, you've had like all of this messaging that just constantly got reinforced and you found your way through that. And so I would love to know what that process looked like for you. Like, when did you start realizing I'm getting all my worth and sense of self and identity from other people and things? And what did it look like for you to start unpacking that? Mm, Wow. I probably didn't realize it until I got married, honestly, Stephanie. And I tell people, be careful asking to get married so fast because marriage is like a mirror and it will magnify everything that's broken, everything that's ugly, like your attitude, everything. It just brings everything out. If you are selfish, like I don't want to share my chips with my husband, all of that, (laughs) all of that comes out in the marriage. He's like, you're a selfish person. No, I'm not. Just don't touch my food. (laughs) You know, so things like that. I think for me, um, a pivotal moment for me was I realized I was so broken that I didn't even feel worthy to receive love for him from him to the point where I felt like I was losing my marriage. And it wasn't because of him. It was because of me. And I knew that I had to do my own individual work, which a lot of people don't want to do. They don't want to take the time to do that. Um, so when you think about problems in marriage, you think about marriage counseling. And I'm like, no, we probably need individual counseling separately. Um, I can probably count on one hand how many times we've actually been in a marriage counseling session, but I've been in individual counseling for nine years and counting, still unpacking stuff from childhood, childhood wounds, heart issues, unforgiveness issues. And you bring all of that baggage into a marriage and you want to have a different family than the one in which you grew up with. But really, that's your blueprint. You don't know anything differently until you start unpacking the baggage and saying, this doesn't really fit. I need to take this out of the suitcase. Yeah. Totally. And thank you for sharing that, that you've been in individual therapy for as long as you have. It's something that, and I know across social media and out in the world, like it's more of a conversation that we can have about mental health and getting support. Sure. But I don't think people always understand that it's like, it's not a one and done. Like there are, 
there are some things you can go to a therapist for a short period of time and get support with. But when it comes to unpacking our core stuff and trauma, it is this continual process. Yeah. And yeah. it, and, and even when you think you've dealt with something and you've dealt with something over and over for years, like it'll, it'll come back up in a new way, especially as you keep growing. It will. And Stephanie, another thing I think a lot of people don't think about is at every phase in my life, I needed a different type of counselor. So I think we feel like we hear counseling and we think that our counselors are created equal, not so. So today, my counselor that I work with, we actually do, I think it's called EPT, emotional polarity technique. There's some type of technique that she uses to go literally to the root So she'll say, Tanisha, this has to do with you when you were 13 years old, and it has to do with you and your mother. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But again, I wasn't, after I've done all the work over the last eight, nine years, I've only been with her probably for about a year or two now. Now I'm more open to her going back to those roots because we had to deal with all the surface stuff first. We had to deal with all the baggage at the top first before we can get to the bottom. So yeah. Absolutely. I, I totally relate to that. I I was with one particular therapist for about a year and a half, basically weekly after a really traumatic and abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you said, there's all different kinds of therapists. There's all different kinds of modalities. Yeah. And it's so helpful to have a person to hold space for you because I was so resistant to yes. all the things she wanted me to work through. And it was like, let's just like inch yeah. And just a little, lean a little forward. Let's do this a little differently. Like, and it was, yeah. it was really supportive. Yeah. Yeah. So I tell people, don't be moved by the amount. I think a lot of times people get discouraged by the amount that counselors charge. It may be 150 or $250 an hour, but your mental health, your spiritual health, your emotional health, can you really put a price tag on that? I mean, we can go buy a new bag. We can go buy a new purse for 250 but you got some people who are like, I'm not paying $250 for an hour or two, but if that person can help me unlock something that's been stuck for 30, 40 years, it's worth it to me. Absolutely. And what is the saying? It's like your calendar and your checkbook, like your bank statement, show you what you value. Mm, I love that. And so if if something's really important to us, we find the money and we do that for all kinds of other things. So yeah, I agree completely. And even on the calendar, like you said, we find the time like this. This interview was on my calendar today. I'm like, can't meet, can't miss the meeting with Stephanie. (laughs) So if it's like you said, if it's important to you, it goes on the calendar. Yes, exactly. If not, it's just kind of like a maybe out there. Yeah. One of the big things that I talk about in my work is our way of being and how when we shift our way of being and it's not just fake it till you make it though that can have its place and its use it's like when you shift your way of being and how you engage with the world like everything starts to reconfigure around you everything starts to shift to reflect that and so i would love to hear you got married and you're so right that a relationship especially with someone who is going to call us out which is most partners but like people who hold us <laughs> to partners. a higher standard My husband, yeah <laughs> You know, we're going to start to see like all the places that we need to grow and heal. And so you started to have that reflection. You started doing, you know, working with a therapist on your own. How did that like when and how did that start to translate to you showing up in the world differently and starting to see different outcomes? 
Well, I mean, I think it was a combination of things. I don't think it was necessarily just the counseling. So I don't want to give people um, the impression that just counseling did that. Of course, you can tell by now I'm a woman of faith as well. So I don't subscribe to fake it till you make it. I tell people fake it until you make it. You have to have faith that there's something greater, there's something better. And I'm always striving to become the better version of me. I knew what I didn't want. I didn't want to be like my mother who can kind of be bitter and nasty and rude and just hurt. She has a lot of hurt. And even like the Bible talks about out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I tell people all the time on social media, I'm like, you can tell a lot by a person's heart just by the way they speak. Are they cursing a lot? Are they angry? Is their face frowned up all the time? Are they always yelling? Like you can tell a whole lot about a person's heart just by the words that they speak. Are they tearing down other people? It's probably because somebody tore them down, you know, so things like that. But it was very pivotal for me to do the counseling. In addition to that, I'm in community groups. I got my biggest breakthroughs in community, just going to people's houses, going to Bible studies, going out for coffee, meeting up with people in the community and the church, just friends, family, small group discussions where we can talk through our healing, walk through the healing process, and then mentors and having that level of accountability. So a lot of it was, hey... If if I feel if you see me going down this dark hole, you know I've battled with depression before. You know I've battled with suicidal thoughts. These are the people who have the permission to call me out on the carpet if they see me going down these dark holes again. And I did that as a safeguard to myself because sometimes we don't know it, but everybody around us can see it and nobody's saying anything, Stephanie. It's like, really? Yep. You see me getting ready to kill myself. There they go again. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a joke in the family. Well, you know how they are. No. How are they? You know, so it's one of those things where I gave people permission and that level of accountability to call me and say, you don't look so great. And I don't like what I hear. And I don't like the tone in your voice. And you haven't answered the phone in three days. What's going on? You know, and somebody to pull me up and out. Because I just really think it's the job of the enemy to get us isolated and get us to a place where we're in our own little bubble by ourselves. The worst thing that could have happened for me was COVID because I'm an extrovert. So I love going to people, places to invite me to everything. Stephanie, if you invite me, I'm probably coming. (laughs) So (laughs) I'm the person that loves gatherings, loves get togethers, loves dinners, community groups, all of that things. If you invite me, I'm there. My husband is an introvert. He loved COVID-19. <laughs> he was like, oh, we don't have to see people. Great. We can all just watch Netflix. I don't and even talk. have to make an excuse. So yes, just- <laughs> yes. He's like, nope, you can't come to the house because of COVID-19. No, we can't have any gathering. So again, it's one of those things where it was a combination of stuff that kind of helped me do my work. And I still feel like there's a piece of me, the little girl in me is still like, hey, do you see me? Do you, Hey, see me? Yeah, me. I'm here, you know, um, because I still run into in the business world as an entrepreneur. I still run into clients. I run into other business owners who will act like they don't see you, you know, or will act like you don't exist. And I'm like, hey, hey, you see me? Hey, hey, how are you? <laughs> you know, so. I love everything that you just shared. And and we talk a lot about mentors on the show, whether that's like inner, if it's your intuition or a part of yourself or outer. 
And the topic of faith comes up very frequently. And it's something that I ask about because it's, it's so important in so many different ways. And I have learned, it's taken me a while, but I have learned, and I think it's Bob Proctor. I know a few people talk about this, the idea that like faith and fear are the same thing. You know, they're Mm. both belief in the unseen, the not yet happened. And so we constantly choose to energize fear, right? It's like, (laughs) it's like when it lands, you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) And we can take the energy that we're putting into fear and we can put that into faith. Same thing. And so that has been a practice of mine. So that was one thing, like bringing up the faith piece, which is so, so important, whether you have a specific religion or you're spiritual or it's developing faith in yourself and the, and right. the world. And it's just really important, but so is community. And I mm-hmm. so love that you gave people that permission because yeah. it is, it's really hard. You know, I'm going through something right now with someone very close to me and they keep calling me out and I have been so resistant to it, despite all this work that I've done and this work that I do with my clients, you know, it's like there's areas that are harder for us and others because of trauma and because of wounding and all the things. Yeah. And it's so important what you said, A, to be open to it and Mm -hmm. B, to like invite it, like call me out. Like this is a thing that doesn't work for me. I don't, want to feel this way anymore. I don't want to go into the dark and twisty spiral. I don't like I, this is what I'm saying I want. And when we're trying to move towards the things that we want and we're going against our trauma and our subconscious and our wounding, it's like all the stuff comes up and, and blurs our vision. Yes. And so I just think it's so powerful. And I, I love that you did that. And I love that you're sharing it to give people that permission to be like, just call me out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 And there, and I mean, like I have a friend the other day, my mother showed up at my doorstep unexpectedly and I called my friend and I'm like, why is she here? And she's like, it's a snowstorm. She may not want to be alone. I'm like, but this is my house. Like, And so it was like, at that point again, yeah, I've done the forgiveness protocol. I've said I've forgiven all of those things. I've done all of the things that they say, do I've written the letters. I've read the letter out loud. I've recorded it in a video, all of those things, but there's still something there. There's still work to do. Yeah. Because if a person can come over and change who you are in an instant, like literally, I feel like I go back to being a little girl again. And I'm a 42 year old woman married with children. So there's a big difference. There's a big gap there. But again, I give people permission to say, nope, that's unforgiveness. So you need to work on that. And that's probably why your business isn't growing or your ministry isn't growing because of that. Yeah. And we don't like to hear that, but that's true. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Well, and you get better at it. You know, it's it's hard to be called out on your stuff. And we all have our own defenses. We all have our own triggers. And Mm -hmm. there's ways we can receive it and ways that don't work. And it's like learning to set that aside and be like, what's what's the truth here? Like, what did I say I want? Right. And this person who I trust is is pointing something out to me like can I set my feelings aside for a moment and just like hear, <laughs> listen to yeah. what's being said? Yeah. Again, being willing to hear, not listening to respond, not listening to be offended or get into the defense. It's like, just hear it. Yeah. And you said something earlier about the little girl within you that I also think is really important to highlight because 
all of our core stuff happens at such an early age, like mm -hmm. between like up until we're five to seven, our conscious mind isn't online yet. So everything just gets in and we form these belief systems and we all have our core wounding. And if you add trauma to that, like it just like hammers it home and really locks it in. And then we go out and life happens in all the ways that it happens. The world is chaotic and messy and it layers and layers and layers yes. on that. And so even when you do the work to unpack and to heal, it's like that, that little version of yourself, that core wound, that core piece, that core belief system, like they're always there. Yeah. And I, I personally, you might disagree. I personally don't feel like that part ever goes away. Like it starts to, at least my version of that, the little wounded girl in me, like in some ways she's gotten quieter and she's in the background and she pipes up every now and then and she needs tending and love. But it's like, I've learned to operate outside of that. And there are other places where she still shows up and runs the show because I haven't done the healing yet. But it's like that piece is just kind of always there. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and we say this in business a lot too, where it's like, is your seven-year-old self running the business or is the 42-year-old self running the business? <laughs> you know, it's like that little girl who's operating in fear and wants to run and hide in the closet or are yep. you operating as, you know, who you really are today? So, yeah, I think, um, I think the little girl, because I've done an exercise in counseling as well, where, you know, we close our eyes and the counselor told me, go and get the little girl and take her into the hallway and then bring her to your house where you live now. So take her from your old house when you were seven and bring her to the house that you live in now. And that was a transformational activity that I had never done before. Um, I only had one or two sessions with that particular counselor. And then we just, we didn't vibe after that. So I didn't sign up, but that particular session was transformational. Nobody had ever told me before, take the time to go back and get the little girl. Yeah. It's, it seems if you haven't done that kind of work and there's a lot of different ways that like the visualization and process work and inner yes. child work, like there's lots of modalities to do that work. And when you haven't done it or you're not deep into your like healing and growth path, like that stuff sounds so silly. Like I'm not going to go get my little girl and right. Like, <laughs> right. Right. help anything. Right. But it does. It's amazing what that does on a subconscious level. Yeah. And Stephanie, the crazy thing is she's like, close your eyes. Don't open your eyes until I tell you to open them. And I'm like, OK, cool. So I see the little girl. She's like, do you have her hand? OK, take her out into the hallway. Take her to your house. Ask her what she wants. And I said, yeah. what she said, ask her what she wants. And out of my mouth said, I want my own bedroom. And I never thought about the fact that until I was 10, I slept with my grandmother. Not only did I not have my own room, I didn't have my own bed. So I didn't get my own bedroom until I was like 10 years old. Now, my children don't know anything about that. They've had their own room since they were babies. But again, having to sleep with my grandmother until 10, even that was kind of like, am I not worthy of my own room? Do I not yeah. deserve my own room? It was, again, it was reiterating the fact that you're an oops. We didn't really plan for you to be here. So there isn't really a room for you. I mean, all of that played into the psyche. So, yeah. Totally. Yeah. You said something else. You're just full of so much wisdom. Um, no wonder you have 20 best-selling books at this point. The thing that you said about business is really important. And this can show up for anyone who's listening that doesn't have their own business. But most of my audience, a lot of them do or have aspirations to have their own business. But we think that 
all this childhood stuff, all of our, our personal and relational trauma and all of these things we've experienced, like it's not relevant to our work. And that's Mm -hmm. so not true. Like the reason that you can't write copy about yourself, that you can't ask for a sale, that you can't post on social, like all of that stuff comes back to the same traumas and the same wounding. Yes. Yes. And low self-esteem, confidence issues. It's, you know, I have a business coach out of Delaware and I can't tell you the majority of the work is, yes, it's strategy. Yes, it's sales copy. Yes, it's sales pages, all of that. And that's great. But the majority of the work, 75% of it, probably 85% of the work that we do is mindset work. It's mindset work and it's heart work because a lot of times that's what's blocking the flow. We think it's the strategy. We think we just need to write the right words. We just need to hire the right writer. You can have the best webinar. You can have the best slide deck, all of that. If you're still operating in fear, you won't close the client. You know, so you got to confidently walk into the room and say, hey, this package is $20,000. How can I take your deposit today? You know, most yep. people get to $20,000 and they're like <laughs> waiting on this. And like yeah. knowing and holding, like I'm worth that. Of course, man. Yeah. Like, of course it costs that much. Yeah. So some people are like waiting for this big rejection. Like my, my business coach, she tells us you're on the phone with a client. They're like, okay, what's the investment? The investment is $20,000. And she said, after you say it immediately, mute your phone. <laughs> She said, because he who speaks after the, (laughs) she said, if you speak immediately after it, you are literally like talking yourself into a hole and you're going to talk them out of it. Like, don't say anything. It's $20,000. So true. Yeah. (laughs) Because you'll go into the like, and if that's not in your budget, then like. Yes. And well, and you start explaining, here's everything that the package includes. (laughs) No. Here's why it's worth it. I promise it's worth it. Yeah, I love that. You're like trying to convince them at that point. So yeah. That's that's brilliant. Yeah. And speaking of like business and best-selling books, walk us through like what what were you doing career-wise throughout your life, throughout your marriage, and at what point did it shift and start shifting into this work that you do now? So... I went the total traditional journalism route in college. I thought I would be a news editor, news anchor, all of those things. I came out and I realized I hate reporting. I don't like interviewing people who <laughs> like face to face. So I was like, nope, that's not for me. But I really like editing for the news desk. So I said, well, maybe I'll be a newspaper editor. Well, you see where the newspapers are today. Stephanie, it, yeah, it was not a viable stream of income then and it's surely not one now. Um, So eventually I got into corporate America. I actually used to work for the Yellow Pages. I don't know if you even remember what that is. I remember. Every now and then one still shows up and I'm like, why is this still? (laughs) Yeah. So when I came out of college, my first job was editing the ads for the Yellow Pages for every (laughs) district in Michigan. Um, And so from there, I went to like our utility company. They have a corporate communications team. I worked on their corporate communications team. So I went more into the corporate role of writing versus the traditional journalism route that I thought I would take. Um, So I had some technical editor roles. I had a change management and communications role at like Mercedes Benz in their corporate offices, all of those things. And they were great. And me and my husband moved to Texas in 2007. So I'm like, great, I'll quit my job. He got a new job in Texas. We were back in like six months. Well, I couldn't get my job back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was too late. It was gone. Um, so I was unemployed for probably about two to three years. That was a long span. 
And I literally remember sitting at the desk saying, you have to use what's in your hands. So what do you have that people will pay for that solves a problem? Goosebumps. And yeah, and I was like, you okay, well, hands. I can probably edit people's manuscripts. I can write resumes. I can do bios. I could. So I started the company. I literally started So It Is Written in 2009. Um, and that's when I published my first book as well, well, 2010. But I started the company just editing people's manuscripts. I think I was charging like a dollar or two dollars a page. But it was something because I was unemployed and no other door would open. And even though from 2010 all the way up to about 2017, I had contract jobs, but I never got hired in, Stephanie. Like I was never the full-time employee ever, <laughs> ever. So it was, and you always knew it was temporary. So it was, it could be a year contract, but something would happen where the contract would dry up and they would be like, Tanisha, we're sorry, we have to let you go. And so that happened over and over again until I got the hint. It took me like seven years to get the hint, Stephanie. And so I was laid off for the last time in 2017. I'll never forget July 4th, 2017. I'm sitting at my desk for weeks before that with no work. Now I'm making about $45 an hour, Stephanie. So I'll play on social media for $45 an hour (laughs) and I'll just sit here until you find me some work. Um, But the company got smart eventually. Like we don't really have work for her. So we probably need to furlough her. Um, And they never brought me back. So at that point, my husband was like, just pursue the business, see what happens. And so since 2017, here we have been. I love it. And I what I love about it, not that I love that it was hard and you got laid off and and I know what it's like to have contract work. Yeah, that can change on a dime and you don't know what's coming. Like, but I what I love about it is the like natural unfolding. So I talk a lot about purpose in my work. Mm-hmm. And finding and living your purpose. And a lot of us, we start somewhere and we go down a career path before we really realize like our true calling and our passion and, and the yeah. way that we want to show up and serve. But everything we've been through and experienced, it helps us with that. Like it does. Maybe the writing is completely different now and the work you do is completely different now. But like from what you went to school for to like you're navigating through writing and editing and like the way mm-hmm. that you found yourself starting your business and the fact that the contract coming to an end, it was like, well, I'm just going to do this thing then. Like, I'm just going to yeah. make this work. Like, that's such a common and everyone's path is different, but it's such a common thing. And I don't think people realize that. Like, we think that we're supposed to know exactly what we're going to do. And, and right. if I'm going to be a successful business owner, I should have done that from the start. And it's just like, it's very like life is always unfolding. And if you can stay present with that and start from where you're at and just figure things out from there Yeah, and trust yourself in that process and trust the universe and have faith. Mm -hmm. Things are always unfolding. Yeah. Yeah. And so I always tell people, I'm like, they're like, Oh, how did you get into full-time? I'm like, I was pushed into full-time entrepreneurship. Like it was not cute. I cried. It was scary. <laughs> I probably peed on myself a little bit. Like it, it, there are still some days, like just being totally honest, Stephanie, since 2017, even this past January, this January, I only had one client the whole month. Now I didn't get put out. I wasn't at risk of getting put out. My husband still works a corporate job. I'm good, but that still kind of hits your self-esteem. Like, oh my God, I might have to go back to work. And then I'm saying to myself, girl, you can't go back to work. You travel the world speaking and talking about books. 
You know, so I'm like, they would probably fire me because I'm like, I need to be off this date. I need to be off <laughs> spring break. The kids are off spring break. I need to be off that week. So it's like, yeah, I just forget it. Yeah. So the freedom, I know the times when there are lean times, it can make it seem very, very hard and tumultuous. But when it's good, it's really good. I would probably never make last year we crossed the six, yeah, the six figure mark for the second time. So I, I probably brought in 140,000 to make that in corporate America. Where do I have to be on the ladder to even get, right. you know, and, and how many hours am I going to have to spend away from my children, away from my husband, you know? So, yeah. And you bring up some really good points about entrepreneurship. For one, ebbs and flows happen to all of us, every yes. entrepreneur, every business. And two, I don't think people realize how often entrepreneurs, even with successful businesses that they love, think to themselves, maybe I should just get a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like the little man on your shoulder that's like, yeah. you're about to go back to work. <laughs> it's like, nope, I'm not. <laughs> and it's this choice. It's this constant choice point. Because I've had those moments, either because I'm sick of my business or it's really slow or mm -hmm. whatever's happening, like whatever the circumstances are that have me in doubt and fear, I'll think to myself, I'll have that thought. Like, it's just, it's almost like a habitual part of entrepreneurship. I feel like at certain points where you're like, maybe I should just get a job. Maybe should I start looking for a job? Like, do I even want to do this anymore? And it's this constant choice point of what's important to me. Yeah. Yeah. And every time that I've been able to get to that choice point and remembered what's important to me, why am I doing this? Like I am not employable anymore because right. I am so clear on my mission and I am, I've come this far. It's like, you, I can't stop. And it's like, yeah. when you get to that choice point and remember that you organize yourself again around what you want and you start getting things back in motion. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've considered that many times, even with the publishing, like you said, you get a hard client or you have a bad process. I mean, anything can throw you off the square to be like, just forget it. I just, I'll just <laughs> go back to work. It's so much easier. And it's not because you're still dealing with people at work, but it's one of those things where in addition to the for-profit, I decided to start a non-profit because I know that work will be transformational. Yes, it will bring in income, but not so much for me, for the organization. And again, it's centered around helping men and women heal from sexual abuse. We called it the monarch circle based on the monarch butterfly. But again, that's something that I don't know that I could have started that in 2010 or 2005. Everything is unfolding as I go. And I started out doing just a book on sexual abuse. And then there was a second book. And now I'm looking at a documentary. And then there's a nonprofit. And it's like layers to everything that we've already yeah. done. And it's like the purpose just gets bigger and bigger. And the mission gets clearer and clearer. So it's like, go back to work and do what? Stephanie, we can't. <laughs> we would no. fail the first day. Yeah, somebody telling you when you can so take true. lunch. We would be, yeah, we would Excuse be all Excuse me, I up. eat when I want to eat. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I have two final like kind of wrap-up questions, and then I want you to share all of your amazingness and work. And the first one is... Having had experience with suicidal thoughts and, you know, so much trauma and just all the things that you've walked through, what, is, what are the things that you still do today to really manage your mental health and keep yourself moving in the direction that you want to go? 
So I'm very intentional about using the five senses to keep myself above water, if you will. So you'll see behind me is a picture today. I choose joy. I choose joy because joy is a choice. My t-shirt, I'm like, write the book, start the podcast, live your dreams. Everything for me has to be so intentional. I'm t-shirt crazy. So don't even get into the t-shirts, but (laughs) there are, there are literally, there are vision boards in my office. There are uh, a wall with affirmations and prayers. There are financial goals on my wall. My favorite color is turquoise. So there's a turquoise picture right next to my degree. So all of those things play a part. Um, even what I'm eating and drinking water, I have water and coffee used, usually going simultaneously and I don't like cold water. They both have to be room temperature. Like it's a whole thing. <laughs> it's a whole thing. Usually I have music playing in the background. So it may be worship music. It may be jazz. It may be neo soul. It just kind of depends on what I'm working on that day and what I feel like. I love candles, warm scented candles, vanilla, hazelnut, the chocolate, the cookie dough candles. Like I (laughs) burn a candle in every room. So I'm usually playing off the five senses. What am I listening to? What am I seeing? What am I hearing, taste, touch, all of those. So yeah, that's what keeps me up above water. And I have to be very intentional about it. As soon as I get out of the bed, I feel like there's literally a fight for my life. So I have to that be intentional about sense. what I listen to the first thing in the morning. Yeah, I'm usually yeah. listening to like a prayer or podcast. I've had bouts of depression. I've definitely had suicidal thoughts and ideation, like different points in my life. And mm-hmm. and anytime I start to dip in that direction, I try to be very intentional all the time. But when I notice the dip, I'm like, okay, now we do all these things. Like these things are like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're a priority, like the intentional actions, yeah. the things that I know bring me joy, even if I'm not feeling it right now. Like how do mm-hmm. I... How do I cultivate an environment that will steer me back where I want to go? But the other thing I do is I journal and I journal a lot of prayers or dreams or visions or goals um, to remind myself, you will have that documentary if you keep going. And I've seen myself speaking on a stage before thousands. So before I speak to thousands, yes, you've got to do this workshop for 20, 25 people. It seems small now, but it's a means to an end. So keep the vision at the forefront. When you close your eyes, it's like, you. and I tell people this all the time, I'm like, you don't see with your natural eyes. You you really see when you close your eyes. And it's like, tell me, what do you see? You know? Yeah. Absolutely. And then one more question for anyone who's feeling that sense of rejection or not belonging or not having purpose, what is a piece or multiple pieces of advice or wisdom that you'd give them? Yeah, I would say if you're in the earth, if you still have breath, you're still breathing, there's purpose. There is purpose. It's up to you to dig and find out what that purpose is, though. And that may take some work. That may take some unpacking. But the biggest thing is to know that there is a purpose. There is a higher power. There is something greater at work than you. I tell people all the time, we are not here just to work, pay bills, you know, eat chicken and die. Like it's so much more, it's so much more (laughs) to life than just me, 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 my house, my husband, my kids, but, you know, just, we can be around some people who are just very selfish. They're, they're just engaged in themselves. And so now I'm at a place in my life where I'm like, if, if the work is not transformational, and when I say work, it could be volunteering, it could be a community group. It could be um, 
your your for-profit work. It could be your job. I'm at a place where if it's not transforming lives, I don't want to do it. So I would never take a secretary position in an office space because am I really transforming lives as a secretary? I don't I don't feel like I am, but I may be. I may be transforming the CEO's life. But again, it's if I if I can have a direct correlation to Stephanie and say, I know for a fact that Stephanie didn't commit suicide because we met and we connected and Stephanie got my book. And boom, she told me that was the saving grace. That's transformational for me. Yeah. And it's knowing what that is for you, for sure. Yeah. And you and you have to know what that is for you. It may be singing. We all have gifts. And it's like I tell the kids at Christmas time, I'm like, you have 50 gifts under the tree. They get to like gift number 35. They stop. They play with that one. And then they go eat breakfast. And I'm like, there are a whole bunch of other gifts under the tree <laughs> that you haven't even unwrapped yet that we paid money for. If you don't get over here and open this stuff. But it's the same way in life, Stephanie. It's like. How many gifts have we not unwrapped? We don't even know how many gifts we really have tied to the other gift. And it's like when you open that gift, it may be another little box inside of that. So we don't really know how many gifts we have within us. You may think you got one, but what if you got 15 and you don't even consider it a gift? Yeah. So true. I love that. Take the time to unwrap it. Yeah. We're going to link to all of your amazingness, but I would love for you to wrap things up by telling people everything that you do, where they can find you and how they can learn from you. Absolutely. So um, as a CEO of So It Is Written, we offer three signature packages. We like to keep it simple over here. So there's done for you publishing services where if people want to go the independent publishing route, we do all of the work for them. Um, There is ghostwriting. If you want to write a book, you don't know where to start and you really don't want to write it yourself, but you want to put your name on it. We can do that for you, too. And then last but not least, Brand Book Bestseller, which is our um, signature program. That one is like a 60 day accelerator. So we help you write your brand book, what you're the expert at, what people love about you, what everybody is coming to you for. We help you write that book in 60 days or less. So it's very accelerated. It's very fast. And they can find out more about all those services at soitiswritten.net. My personal website is Tanisha Johnson, but it looks like Tanita, T-E-N-I-T-A, johnson.com. Thank you, Tanisha, so much for being here, for sharing your story. But also, again, you just shared so many wisdom nuggets. Like, I just blown away and goosebumps throughout. And so I just so appreciate you taking the time to be here and for sharing. Yes, this was epic. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being a part of this powerful community of purpose-driven individuals. We have a ton of free resources for you at www.talesfromthejourney.tv free, including access to my signature process for how to make the impossible happen, packaged in a simple, easy to follow workbook that you can implement immediately. Whether you're trying to heal in the aftermath of a challenging chapter, working to uncover your purpose, or going after anything else that feels impossible, you'll learn how to take an entirely different kind of action that goes against much of what you've been taught about manifestation and goal achievement. We'd love your help in getting the message out and growing our community, so please take a moment to share this episode, subscribe to the podcast, and leave us a review on iTunes. I'll catch you in the next episode.